the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening, everybody, or good morning, or good afternoon, whenever you're listening to the show. I hope everybody had a great Easter. It is another edition of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Heat of the moment from Asia. Uh, their debut album released back in 1982, earlier this week in 1982. So the album is uh, 41 years old. It was the number one album in the United States in 1982. You imagine that? And everybody, now, I mean... Everyone, when you hear that beginning guitar by Steve Howe, you know that that's Asia. I mean, Heat of the Moment must have been played a million times on the radio back then. And I was always a big fan of Asia. Um, their first three albums, I didn't get into them you know, well after that. And, of course, the most of the original members, uh, John Wenton has passed. Um, Carl Palmer is still alive. Jeff Downs is still around. And so Steve, uh, Steve Howe. But John Wenton was the voice of Asia. Uh, funny story, and I don't have time to really get into it because we do have a lot of news and notes. Asia's biggest success on MTV wasn't even sung by John Wetton. It turns out it was Greg Lake, and that's a story for another time. Look it up. It's an interesting story of what happened. Uh, coming up in 10 minutes, Steve Ashton, the owner and brewer of Ashton Brewing, joins me in an interview I recorded back on March the 31st inside the brewery in two parts. Uh, that's coming up in just about 10 minutes from now. Great discussion with Steve. We had a lot of fun. Uh, got to sample a number of his beers while I was there, but we had a great discussion um, nonetheless, and you'll get to hear that in two parts coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Jersey Cyclone uh, celebrating their fourth anniversary. Uh, they have an epic celebration planned for May 6th and 7th, live music throughout the weekend. They're going to have a few special releases up their sleeves that they can't wait to share with you. Look for weekly updates to the celebration on their um, social media pages on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm going to try and make it over there one of those days. Um, to visit. It, it's a nice little location, not that far off. Literally a minute and a half, two minutes off of uh, 287. It's a really, really great place and uh, have to get back over there. It's been it's been some time, so got to get over there and, uh, and see Jan and uh, hopefully I'll get over there uh, for the anniversary party. Now, we've talked about the Paragon Tap and Table Beer Dinner with, Law- uh, with Lawson's Finest Liquids. Um, and we you definitely want to check this out. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it uh, to this dinner. That's this coming Thursday, uh, the 13th of April uh, at 6 p.m. 
So here's the menu, and then I'll give you the number to call to make reservations. So it's, uh, it starts at 6 p.m. It's $75 per person. There's hors d'oeuvres and four courses. So they're going to have past hors d'oeuvres to start with Super Session IPA, Vermont cheese, artesian crackers, assorted meats, battered pickles with beer cheese. Then a salad with a Scrag Mountain Pills. It's a pan-seared sea bass, roasted beets, green apples, whipped chivet, uh, ch- chivet? chivet? I don't know. Uh, and baby arugula. That sounds delicious. The appetizer with the new release Hazy Rays IPA, which is out uh, now at 5.3%. Hazy Rays battered chicken, so they're using the beer with the batter. Jalapeno honey, Calabrian chilies, Vermont cheese sauce. That sounds fantastic. Then the dinner, it's a meat trio with Sip of Sunshine IPA, smoked brisket with jalapeno cornbread, uh, barbecue, uh, New York strip with truffle stru- uh, shoestring fries, a chimichurri sauce, uh, and a grilled lamb chop with cauliflower mash and mint demi-glaze. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty cool. Three different meats. And then finally for dessert, which is paired up with a Mad River maple ale, a churro maple sugar pork belly cinnamon gelato. All that. 75 bucks, So you get the beer included, plus the food. Uh, does not include tax and tip. Definitely something you want to take advantage of. Uh, 732-931-1776. 732-931-1776. Ask for the manager on duty. Uh, again, $75 per person. That's this coming Thursday. Excludes tax and service fees. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I'm going to be hanging with Sam Calagione from Dogfish Head, which we have some Dogfish Head news uh, in this segment here. Cape Beverage Distributing. Uh, has started to distribute Philadelphia-based brewery Dock Street to its distribution roster. Uh, they will be um, releasing or distributing Bohemian Pilsner, Golden IPA, King Juice, a hazy double uh, IPA, uh, Futuro Italian Pilsner, Barracuda, Summer Haze. Uh, Barracuda is a Berlin Iron Vice. Summer Haze is a Pale Ale. And then finally, Citrahood, a New England-style IPA brewed with tangerine puree. So uh, that is out now uh, uh, throughout uh, Cape Beverage's distribution network, which includes New Jersey. Um, So that's really cool. And then uh, Guinness, apparently, uh, is shutting down their Open Gate Brewery in Baltimore County. They are shutting down the production side of things. Uh, They are closing the nearly five-year-old plant. They're laying off about 97 workers. Uh, The relay plant was Guinness's first brewing operation in the U.S. since the 1950s. It was a former Seagram's bottling plant, and it was hailed as a key economic engine for the area, uh, opening alongside a tap room and 270-seat restaurant. Now, the tap room and the 270-seat restaurant will remain open. That's according to a statement from Diego, the beverage company that owns Guinness and brands such as Johnny Walker, Tangeray, uh, Bailey's, and Smirnoff. Uh, they have served over a million visitors since they've opened. The manufacturing plant expected to close by June, the company said the brewery's flagship Baltimore Blonde will be brewed at other locations after June, um, but they will continue to keep open the uh, restaurant, including the 10-barrel Innovation Brewery on the ground floor of the Visitor Center. Uh, the um, The layoffs would, would affect, again, 97 people. Uh, they are planning to launch a Guinness Open Gate Brewery in Chicago this summer. Who knows if that's actually going to happen now at this point, if they are cutting back, especially a, a, you know, a place in Baltimore that was... Driving economy. People were enjoying it. It's good to see that they're going to keep the restaurant open. How long they're going to keep it open, that remains to be seen. Uh, Philadelphia-based Evil Genius Beer uh, teaming up with White Castle again. Uh, Main Character Energy. It's a 6% ABV 
Hazy Kiwi Dragon Fruit IPA, unique twist on the popular IPA beer style. It features both Simcoe and Strata hops that add a tropical fruit and zesty citrus character to the beer. It is out now, the beer, uh, throughout Evil Genius's distribution footprint. That also includes New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Rhode Island, uh, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland. Uh, the price for a six-pack may vary depending on the market, but will be around $12 a six-pack. Cape May uh, Brewing, not the beverage, not their distribution arm, but their brewing company, has announced the return of both hard iced tea and hard lemonade. Uh, they are out now, uh, just released this past weekend. Distribution in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware uh, begins later this month. Uh, I, I don't think I've had the hard iced tea, and obviously we know about the lawsuit going on uh, that's happening. There's been no movement on that as far as I know. Uh, but the hard lemonade, I have to tell you, that's a good beer. Um, it's delicious. I mean, it drinks like a lemonade. It does not drink like a beer, and I think it's right around 5%. That's a really good beer. If you want something refreshing during the um, the summer months, find that. You will not be disappointed. I mean, it's really, really good. I have to say that. Uh, finally, a Dogfish Head, a couple of new releases here, Mandarin and Mango Crush. That's a 6% ABV. That's uh, second beer out of this year's Off-Centered Art Series. Um this is making its debut in a six-pack of 12-ounce cans. Then the Utopius Barrel-Aged 120-Minute IPA, uh, clocking in at somewhere between 15 and 20% ABV. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, they, they take a 120-Minute IPA, and then they put it in Utopia barrels from Sam Adams and let it sit for a year. Um, so this is really something, if you see it, grab it, because it's not going to be around long. And then finally, the Off-Centered Variety Pack. Um, this is a 12-pack of 12-ounce cans. The 60-minute IPA is in there. The Sequential, which I love. I absolutely love the Session Sour. Uh, it's basically it's a Kolsch and a Goza uh, sort of uh, put together with a tart Berliner Weiss. It's a fantastic beer. Definitely great for summer months. Blue Hen Pilsner, crisp, refreshing Pilsner brewed with only four ingredients. That's a great beer. That's a solid, solid Pilsner. From Dogfish Head. And then Citrus Squall, um, which I believe is new. It's the perfect storm of a double, a double golden ale and a Paloma cocktail brewed with grapefruit juice, blue agave nectar, lime peels, and a touch of sea salt. That sounds really good. So that is the 12-pack that will be coming out this year uh, for um, uh, Dogfish Head. So it's pretty good. You get yourself a nice classic IPA, a really good Session Sour, uh, a tasty Pilsner, Crispy, uh, crispy Pilsner, and then you get yourself a little bit of a, a big boozy cocktail um, in the mix. That's that's also a beer, which is great. So good stuff from Dogfish Head. Good stuff from all these guys. Uh, it's a, it's you know it's great to see a lot of these new releases. And again, Lawson's finest liquids in the Paragon Tap and Table Beer Dinner that's taking place this coming Thursday, where they will be um, releasing their new Hazy Rays IPA. And in fact, we're going to be talking with Sean Law- uh, Lawson, or I actually spoke with Sean Lawson. Uh, earlier this week, that is an interview that uh, will be airing in a couple of weeks to talk about the new Hazy Rays uh, IPA and uh, should be a lot of fun. They're supposed to be sending me samples as well. As well. So we will review that uh, when it comes in. But when we come back after a short break, for the next two segments, Steve Ashton, the owner and brewer of Ashton Brewing, joins me from the brewery. It's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. This is the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Of course, you can follow me very easily, Twitter, at Al Gattulo, Instagram, at Gattulo, G-A-T-T. 
U-double-L-O, Facebook.com slash A.G. Craft You know all the other places. We're on uh, iTunes. We're on iHeart. We're on uh, Odyssey.com. And, of course, the Hopped Up Network, our good friends over there at thehoppedupnetwork.com, where you can catch my uh, radio show as a podcast a couple minutes after midnight, after the show ends. And there is a plethora of other podcasts as well that you can check out whenever you want. Now, up next, we are coming to you from a wonderful brewery in Middlesex, New Jersey. He's the owner and brewer who brews some great beers in a location not far off of Route 287 near Piscataway. Actually, oddly enough, the bar that's down the street, Ellery's, is where a buddy of mine played a long time ago. And as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, now I know where I am. The name of the brewery, of course, is Ashton Brewing. Open Thursday through Sunday. The website for more info is ashtonbrewing.com. Let me welcome to the Craft Beer Cast for the first time, Steve Ashton. Steve, thanks for having me here. How are you? I'm good, Al. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You're, you're welcome. Now, when we spoke at Paragon uh, a few weeks back, you told me about your journey from starting out as a home brewer. Tell the audience how it went from home brewing to your own business, and what was the spark that made you say, I can do this on a professional level? That's interesting. Um, I, so I retired early, mm-hmm. and I uh, was trying to figure out what I was going to do, and the laws had you know, changed in New Jersey. Um, I started working with some other breweries to help them out with some things, and um, I turned to my wife and I just said one day, I, you know, I think we could do this ourselves, and uh, so she agreed, and uh, we moved on. <laughs> was it was it a quick agreement, or was she like, all right, you got to convince me? No, it was a quick agreement. I mean, she's been involved in this stuff, you know, as long as I've been doing it. So uh, we've been married for for over thirty years, and uh, she knows how much I love beer, and and she was all in. All right. All right. Now, let me say, I am sorry that you guys came in second in the Paragon Tap and Table March Madness beer competition, though that Black IPA, which was the Pink Boots beer, I believe, that you guys did, was really good. And it tasted more, to me, it tasted more like a hazy, even though it was dark. Was that the intention when it was being made? So it's actually a cold black IPA. So a cold IPA will have the hop aromatics and the flavor of a New England, right? So it's... That beer actually has four pounds per barrel of hop, dry, of dry hop. So, so you get the crisp dryness of a lager with those hop aromatics. And to me, the beer actually tasted more like a really hoppy uh, Schwartz beer. And that was really kind of how it felt to me. Yeah, and, and it was interesting because when I had it, I had, the, um, I had uh, Oak Flowers Grisette, and then I had your beer. And I, the moment I saw it, and I've had black IPAs before, and I'm like, I was waiting. I, I don't know what it was. I think maybe because I've had so many black IPAs is that I was, I was sort of anticipating a bitterness component that I didn't get. And I remember you had mentioned it to me how it was, and I sort of forgot. Obviously, I forgot about it. So it, it threw me for a loop for a second, but then I was like, oh, wait a second, and you know, kept going back. So I'm wondering because Juicy seems to be the, you know, well, it's been the – the fad for a long time that people get thrown off at, with a black IPA like that, that they wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards it. Oh, that's absolutely the concern with it. And we weren't sure we were going to put it into that event because of that. But I think because that beer is unique, you know, th- that style hasn't been made anywhere on the East coast before. So we really wanted to use it as an opportunity to get that name out there and get people seeing cold black IPA as opposed to just a black IPA and thinking about it a little differently. So we didn't care. At the, well, we cared. But sure. it wasn't uh, paramount that we win. It was more important to me that we got the name of the, the beer out there and the style 
so people start to experience it. So more of the awareness. And I'll be honest with you, I was talking with, uh, we just had on the program uh, this past weekend, uh, John Henderson uh, from the Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival. And, you know, he's always encouraging brewers, bring different things and this and that. That's a beer I think you should bring to AC Beer Fest if you make it again, because I think that's a beer that would sort of spark people like, oh, wait a minute, it's a, it's a hot day. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to have a dark beer. And then they try it, and all of a sudden, boom, oh, wait a second, this is pretty good. What do you think? No, I think you're right. Yeah, that that's an absolutely uh, good way to look at it. Now, we are almost out of this beer. This is the last uh, half barrel we have of this beer. Um, so we are trying to kick around, you know, what we're going to do, you know, with it and when we would do it again. So hopefully not too far off. We're talking with Steve Ashton, the man behind Ashton Brewing in Middlesex, New Jersey. We're recording it right here inside the brewery, not far off of Route 287 near Piscataway. They open Thursday through Sunday. The website for more information, ashtonbrewing.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, the beer that I'm drinking right now, this is beer for a sushi restaurant. It's a rice lager. You're, a, a lot of people are doing more rice lagers than I've seen I've seen that I've seen rice lagers now probably in the last year that I've seen forever. Is this a beer that you want to make for people that's sort of more approachable for those that have always been into macro beers and sort of, you know, that's kind of the style they're into and you're trying to ease them into craft beer? I'd say it's got a dual purpose. Yes, that would be one way to look at it, but it does have a lot more flavor. So somebody that drinks a Miller Lite is going to taste that beer. They may like the body, but they're going to get a lot more hops in it than they than they're used to. And so it can be a little off-putting to those people. So you have to be a little bit careful about how you how you kind of position that beer. Um, on the flip side, it is meant to be a food beer. A lot of our beers we are built with the idea that they're going to pair with food, and and so that's what we focus on. And this the, the idea of this is to be, go with seafood. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that I love about brewers is that. There's always seems to be. I don't think I've spoken to one brewer in the six years that I, six plus years that I've been doing the show, that hasn't thought about uh, beer and food. And a lot of the the bigger, I shouldn't say. Well, yeah, a lot of the bigger breweries, like the you know the the, the Stones and the Coronados and the you know the, the the other bigger nationwide brands, they're always Trogues does this too, where they're always putting on their labels what food it will pair with, which I think is a great idea. And I think you really have to approach it. Almost like from a chef's standpoint, right? Oh, absolutely. To me, that's one of the attractions of making beer is you're, you're taking a, a palate and you're saying what things are going to go together, just like you do with, with food when you're, when you're developing a recipe at home to make a meal. You know, what do I want at the end? What have I got to work with? What's going to work together? And the same thing happens in the brew house. You're looking at the grains you have, what's going to work together, what's the end game? And, um, and, and that's, that's a lot of fun. That's, that's a, a part of what I love about it. And, and you just recently celebrated your third anniversary in the spot that used to be Demented Brewing. How has the response been from the public these past three years? Mind you, you, you opened during the start of the pandemic, for those who don't know. I mean, it was literally the month of the pandemic. Uh, a couple of weeks in, everything was sort of closed, and you opened. How has the response been since you opened uh, to now? I think it's been fantastic. Actually, at the very beginning, you know, we were very nervous because nobody had had our beer. So you had to commit to a large amount of beer. We didn't have our canning line put in yet. And, and the locals came in. They wanted to try our beer. So even though we couldn't pour them samples or anything, people got 64-ounce growlers. And they had to buy new growlers, too, remember? Right. <laughs> so oh, I it was, remember. It was a lot to ask. And people did it. 
and they liked our beer and they kept coming back and we we started out pretty strong actually for for you know serving our beer out of the garage <laughs> and um and so so that response has just continued to grow since then and you know once we put things in cans it's been it's been fantastic and we're doing really well in distribution so and, and and steve let me let me ask you was there a moment there when you opened during the pandemic that you thought maybe oh maybe this wasn't a good idea maybe we should have waited a little bit or i mean or was that response sort of because i noticed it with a lot of places that were hey we have to support local we've got to do what we need to do People knew the brewery was coming, even though they hadn't tried your beer yet. Was that was that a good, you know, obviously that was a good thing for you. But was there any hesitation at one point to say, oh, my God, maybe we made a mistake here? Never. No, Never. Not, a, not a chance. So there were, there were a couple things that I thought about. One was we had been looking at another location before this one. Mm-hmm. It was much larger. And I kept thinking to myself, we were really lucky that we weren't in that space because the cost would have been much higher. Sure. Um, and then the other thing I kept thinking to myself was this, even with us, this stress is way better than the corporate world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. And for those listening out there, if you think, well, maybe I'm thinking about opening a brewery, see that in the midst of a pandemic, it was still worth it to do this as opposed to being in the corporate world. This is, that's, that's pretty telling. Um, last question before we take our first break here, um, Another issue that's affecting not just breweries, but a lot of small businesses, and and, and in effect, uh, a lot of places around uh, around the country, a lot of breweries have job openings, folks having trouble finding people to work shifts. Do you think it's a generational issue, or is it something else? So... It depends on what part of it you're looking at. You know, as, as breweries, we don't, you know, we don't run full restaurants. Right. Um, you know, the, the tap room staff tends to have a little bit different sort of a mindset. And so we really haven't had any issue on that side of the house. It's just a matter of it, this is always a second job for somebody here. Right. Um, in the brew house, what I'm finding is there's definitely a little bit of a shortage mm-hmm. of, of uh, qualified people because there's a lot of breweries opening in New Jersey. So you haven't, the, 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 um, the trained staff hasn't kind of caught up with the, the number of breweries that there are. Right. And that's, that's the harder thing, I think, for any brewery that's opening up. If, if you're not the one in the brew house and you're opening up, you're going to have trouble finding people. Right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It's sort of like in baseball. You, you, want that deep, you want that deep bullpen because if your, your starters go down, you want to have somebody to come in and back you up. And we, don't, we haven't gotten there yet in New Jersey. Uh, whereas in other places across the country. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back more uh, with more from Steve Ashton right here, the man behind Ashton Brewing in Middlesex, New Jersey. And we're here at the brewery, and I'm enjoying, uh, enjoying this delicious rice lager beer for a sushi restaurant, 5% ABV, by the way, in case anybody wants to know. Uh, we're coming back right after a short break on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. All right, welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. We're coming to you from Middlesex, New Jersey. It's the home of Ashton Brewing. They're open Thursday through Sunday. Steve Ashton, owner and brewer, rejoins me on the program. So, Steve, um, third anniversary, great success. You guys had a great time here. What's in the tanks that's coming out in the near future here? Well, right now we've got a lot of our old standbys. Um, We do have five beers that we do year-round, and we are getting hard-pressed to keep them um, from going going out off tap. Um, not a bad problem. It's not a, not a bad problem, but uh, but we are trying to work through you know operationally how we make sure that we can keep those beers going, and continue to to have you know innovative other beers like um, like Pure Obsidian, mm-hmm. and beer for a sushi restaurant. So 
Um, we also like doing lagers here. So Beer for a Sushi Restaurant is one that we're going to be scaling up soon. Um, we've got, let's see, we've got more of Your Lips Are Juicy is really our flagship. Um, and we have now, we're at that point where we actually have two batches going, one that's going to be purely for, for um, draft and one that is going to be all canned. Oh. It's the first time we've gotten to that point where we do that. Every time, other time, we just split them in half. Um, we've got our Take 5. It's another one of our beers that's been over at Rutgers Stadium, over at the Rack, and at uh, Somerset Patriots. Um, and we use that beer a lot as a uh, proprietary beer, so somebody can you know put their own label on the cans for that for that beer because um, it's a real nice uh, universal beer. Um, and then and then beyond that, we're going to be doing. We have a lot of um, um, other pilots that we're doing. We're doing a beer. Um, it's a DNR Canal Belgian Pale Ale. So we're right near the uh, one of the entrances to the DNR Canal, and um, Discover Central Jersey has been doing a lot to promote breweries and distilleries, wineries right. um, in the Central Jersey region, which is really is a thing. Right. <laughs> and, oh, I know. Uh, and uh, so, so we're doing that beer. Um, we're going to try and you know work on the on the recipe first, and then we'll come up with some sort of a promotional thing and some way to support that organization. Um, but it'll be sort of a you know our canal beer you know for for biking on the on the on the uh, canal cool kind of thing sort of a sort of a post workout kind of beer yeah you know exactly all right. right now when we first right well when we first met actually at the uh, Bruzology Beer Fest at the Liberty Science Center back in February where I think I poured more beer out than I actually got in the glass helping you out because you didn't have any help and you had to run to the bathroom so I my apologies for that um, what did you think of the experience for a first time event that the center had. So it was an interesting one. You know, at first I was a little concerned because we were in, a, in an area that seemed like it wasn't going to get a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. But once people started flowing through there, you know, it, it was great. Um, they had staff that was helping with pouring, which really was good. But unfortunately, I ended up not having one because of staffing. Right. <laughs> so, so I, you know, it, normally I think it would, would be much better. I think a lot of the other uh, breweries that I talked to, they, you know, they had help. Right. So it was, right. it was nice. Um, there were a lot of people there. There were a lot of really, you know, people that were really into beer, not just people coming to get drunk, right. which was really nice to see as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably experienced that. And, uh, so it turned out to be a lot of fun. I mean, the environment was really cool. I hadn't been there since my kids were little, so it's probably been 20 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was, it was a fun event. I, I was really surprised. I, and they sold a lot of tickets and we had gone in for the VIP hour. So it was, it was nice. It was a good flow. But once it opened up, I really was impressed at how the lines moved, even though there was, you know, I mean, I don't think you had to wait more than five or six minutes for a beer at best if there was a line that was sort of eight to nine deep, which was pretty good. Uh, we're talking with Steve Ashton, the man behind Ashton Brewing in Middlesex, New Jersey, uh, recording this inside the brewery here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, they're right off of 287 near Piscataway. Open Thursday through Sunday. The website for more information, ashtonbrewing.com. Now, the last few years, uh, because of the pandemic, Rough for a lot of small brewers, uh, CO2, uh, not in uh, big supply, aluminum cans, you know, all sorts of different supply issues. Have you encountered any of that in the uh, three years that you've been open? Really, the only thing that hit us was glass, uh, the growlers. Um, we, you know, so when we first opened, obviously, we were going through a ton of growlers. Um, and we had a hard time getting them when we ran out. Um, we talked to the, you know, the county in terms of what we could do in terms of cleaning. 
And so as long as everything went through the process that we use for our tanks, right, so if it's good enough for the beer. Um, so what we did was we did a swap for, for a period of time and then collected up a big pile of, of growlers, and then we would put them through a whole caustic cleaning cycle and, um, and PAA for sanitizing, which was, you know, good for killing COVID. And then we'd have another stack, you know, stock of, uh, of growlers to use. And, um, but otherwise, the state had said that you, know, you couldn't just refill a growler. But, but that's pretty cool that the, that you worked with the county to get that done because every other place that I went to, people were coming in wanting to fill their glass growl, uh, uh, growlers, and people were saying, "Nope, can't do it. It's uh, you know, it's impossible." But I think that that speaks you know volumes about how you and the county can work together uh, to do things, which is fantastic. That's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we we were lucky. The cans we didn't have any issue with, and um, you know, can prices now are starting to come back down. Okay. which is really fantastic. Right. Um, you know, we, we haven't had any issues with labels. Uh, grain prices have gone up. We did, um, early on, you know, it appeared that we were going to have some issue getting some of the German grains that we use for some of our, our beers, um, some of the English grains. And so we ended up switching almost all of our base recipes to using Proximity Malt, which is out of Delaware. And it was a great decision. And not only is it less expensive, but the quality is there. And the reliability is there and so we haven't had any issues we still do some german beers that are that are you know all german malts right. um but we just don't do them as our regular stand standard beers yeah. because and, and obviously because of the war in ukraine that's part of the reason why the grain has gone up and I, I don't think people really realize how things that happen globally do affect us from a standpoint even as much as beer i mean it affects us um you know all over it's not just it's not just here at ashton brewing it's all over the country Biggest lesson, Steve, that you've learned running a brewery for the last three years that you could pass along to someone who may be listening right now and is planning to open their own brewery inside this state or somewhere else, what's the biggest piece of advice you could give them? Uh, spend a lot of time on understanding what, what the laws are and how to, how to appropriately deal with the government because uh, that's, there's just a lot of paperwork. And you want to make sure you're getting that right so that you're not, you know, a target in any way. Um, you know, we, everything that we do, if, I'm, if I have a question, I'm always on the phone. I'm always talking to them. I'm trying to make sure I understand what it is I'm doing because, frankly, I wouldn't otherwise know. Right. <laughs> you know, you can guess at it, but that's never a good idea. And, um, and that was th – those things have been, have been some of the biggest challenges, I think, you know, yeah. is just dealing with the government. And, and obviously dealing with the state of New Jersey uh, is a whole other animal that other people maybe in the other 49 states don't have to deal with, although there are some states that sort of have restrictive rules too, um, much like New Jersey. Um, I, I know we don't have a lot of time left here, but the, the question I will ask since we're talking about it with, when it comes to in terms of, of government, um, obviously Governor Murphy wants to rehaul you know, everything when it comes to liquor license reform and, and, and all this other stuff. What's your thoughts on it? Would you like to see uh, a more uh, incremental change where it's benefiting not only the breweries but others as well? Or would you like to see this, what, what the governor is looking at, just a clean sweep of, well, we're going to change everything in one, in one bill in, in government by, by uh, you know, next year? Um, I, I'm probably leaning more towards that incremental side. I, I, I think our focus should be on what's happening in the breweries and the restrictions that are on the breweries what's happening in the restaurants you know that's that's their thing right right and whatever murphy wants to do with that piece of it 
is it, to me is should be handled separately. And again, this is my opinion. This is, I don't right. <laughs> represent anybody else. Okay, but um, but those restrictions and things. It's it's you know the fact that we have breweries in manufacturing areas. We should be able to have a tap room that's that's a satellite, you know. So it's in a more uh, downtownish type, I'll say, area, mm-hmm. you know, where there's more parking, where it's where it's a little bit safer in terms of there's not trucks coming in and out. There's things like that. Just think think this stuff through, so that um, so that it's good for the public and it's and it's and it's okay, you know, and it helps boost the business, you know, in in the state. Um, so those are those are the things I focus on personally, but. Um, it needs to it definitely needs to change and and i don't think i'm I'm concerned that doing this all in one thing it'll actually end up going nowhere and then we'll have done nothing to help the breweries in this state and i I agree with you on that for those that don't understand in new jersey once you open a brewery you cannot open another brewery within the state even if it's yours you can't open a satellite uh place there has to be a law change uh to make that happen which is a great point um Finally, I, I don't have much time here, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. Best, what's the one beer that you make here that you're most proud of to serve and drink? Um, I know it's like picking I, a favorite child. It is, really. <laughs> um, I'll pick from my, my standard beers. Um, Jersey Draymond is a Czech-style uh, Pilsner, and it, it really, to me, is just, it's just crisp, clean. I can it, almost any day, at the end of the day, I can pick that up and just drink it and feel good <laughs> and um and so that that's the one that i would pick All right. so. there you go uh, my guest has been steve ashton the man behind ashton brewing in middlesex new jersey we're recording this inside the brewery they're not far off of route 287 uh near piscataway and again uh open thursday through sunday the website for more information ashtonbrewing.com uh, steve thanks for having me here tonight thanks for the beer uh thanks for the uh the hospitality and thanks for giving me a few minutes uh to educate folks on uh, your brewery and where they are and, th- and again thanks for having me here my pleasure al thanks for coming in you got it. up next it's time for suds and duds on the algatulo craft beer cast on am 970 the answer Segment of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, a little Asia, and only time will tell, uh, which is actually the um, the video version of the song, because the opening of that song is much longer. Anyway, uh, Asia's debut album came out uh, last week back in 1982, so what is it, 41 years? 41 years that that album came out. The supergroup of Asia... John Wetton, originally from King Crimson, uh, Jeff Downs, who had played in Yes, and a bunch of other different bands. Obviously, he was a part of the uh, the Buggles. Uh, you had Carl Palmer from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and, of course, Steve Howe uh, from Yes, forming this supergroup. Now, they never had the success uh, that they did on this first album that they did on their subsequent uh, 
you know, second album. Their second album was sort of a, a failure uh, by uh, Billboard and by the pop charts. Um, and then Steve Howe left, went back to Yes, or no, actually went on to do some solo stuff, then, then, then went back to Yes. They brought in, I forgot who it was who was the guitarist on the third album, who I think was in Crocus, if I'm not mistaken. I seem to recall that. I, I was a big fan of Asia back in the 80s uh, because of the fact that the guy who was the manager at the deli that I worked at was obsessed with Asia, bought John Wenton's uh, you know, similar bass and tried to learn bass and all kinds of other stuff. He was just very obsessed with Asia. And so I listened to those three albums over and over and over again as a, as a teenager. So I, I know them backwards and forwards. Never saw them in concert um, I know there's a new guy now, uh, what is his name, John Payne or Alan Payne, something like that or whatever, that uh, basically is is Asia. It's name only. It's like Quiet Riot. The, the, Quiet Riot is playing in, in New Jersey uh, in a month or two. It's not the, it's it's a cover band. There's nobody, there's not, a, not an original, I think Rudy Sarzo's in the band, and Rudy was like an original member and then left before they even made it big. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you see this, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't go see it. I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Asia played in Rawway uh, a couple years ago before the pandemic. And they were selling Groupon tickets for like $8. And somebody was like, you should go. And I'm like, you know, not even for 8 bucks. I couldn't do it. Anyway, before we dive, uh, or actually, we're going to dive into Suds and Duds. But before we do that, um, my, my thanks again to Steve Ashton from Ashton Brewing uh, for having me there. I didn't log in any of the beers that I had at Ashton on Untapped. Uh, I should have, and maybe I'll do that at some point, but I did want to um, touch on a number of the beers that I did sample or drink while I was there. While we were doing the interview, of course, I had the beer for a sushi restaurant, which is a um, a rice lager at 5%, a fantastic beer. Uh, I'm learning to enjoy rice lagers a lot more, maybe because of that, you know, that approachable, you know, sort of Coors Light, Miller Light uh, category, but done so much better than those macro beers. Um, had the Brown Eye Girl, uh, the uh, Czech Dark Lager. That's a great beer. Oh, my goodness, is that a great beer. That's a beer you have to have when you go there. Uh, also had the uh, Lager's uh, Lager. Uh, that's almost 7%, a light brown, really, really tasty, uh, very good. Also had the, um, the Barrel-Aged Midnight Moonlight. This is an imperial stout with coffee, uh, vanilla, and bourbon at 12%. Had a small pour of that. Very, very good. Your Lips Are Juicy, which is their flagship IPA, uh, and I can understand why it's a flagship IPA. It is fantastic. And then, of course, had the uh, Canavan, the Irish Stout uh, on Nitro uh, at about 4.4%. Nice, dry, um, but with that Nitro, uh, a little bit of creaminess in it. So really, all of the beers there, uh, excellent at Ashton, and I would certainly encourage anybody, if they're looking uh, to uh, check out a place uh, in Jersey and they haven't checked uh, out Ashton Brewing yet, uh, which is in the old Demented Digs, uh, you should definitely check it out. It was easy, an easy ride for me. It was a lot of back roads. I mean, really, really convenient. It probably took me about, with traffic, about 25 minutes, um, which is not not too bad. Um, but, and I love the fact that I went on back roads and I didn't have to go on uh, 287. I mean, it's it, not too far off of 287, and most people would go there via the highway. Uh, but for me to be able to get there via back roads, that's just a great thing that, hey, if I want to go there and pick up some cans, I can do that, and it's only a 25-minute ride, so that's not too bad. Um, another brewery that I got a chance to go and check out uh, was Oak Flower Brewing. Uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. I had gone to Twin Elephant to pick up their new Italian Pilsner, and I said, you know what? I'm 15 minutes from Oak Flower from, uh, 
from Twin Elephant. Let me go take a ride over there. It was a little rainy, but I said, you know what? I, I had the time. I could sit, have a couple of beers, went by myself. Uh, and boy, am I glad that I made the trip because let me tell you something. The station, which was the first first beer that I had, spot on, light, floral, delicious. Had a full pour of that. That was excellent. Uh, everything that they do there is really, really good. Right across the street from the Millington train station, um, not too far from the Sterling Hotel, uh, a really, really nice spot. And the place was jammed when I when I came in on a Saturday. And I think they were only open maybe an hour. And the place was jammed. It was I barely found a seat. Uh, Morava, um, this is their, uh, I, I believe this is their Czech Pilsner, a side pull pour, a really nice light beer. Mellow is the way that I would describe this beer. Uh, just very, very tasty. Um, and then I had the uh, Cobble, which is a really tasty English porter. Delicious, nice coffee flavor. Uh, I had a sample of that, a four-ounce pour of that. Really, really good. I mean, everything that they do there is excellent. It's a nice place that I would absolutely visit again. Um, you know, I think they have eight beers on tap. They do a lot of crowlers. They do do growler fills, but those are that's on Thursdays. Um, they have a specific day where they do them. You can do them when if you go there. Um, you can have them. You can uh, get a, a pour, uh, a, a, excuse me, a fill to take home. But it takes a little bit longer, obviously, because they're dealing with customers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But a really, really nice place. And I'll tell you, for only being open for a few months, I think they're open now. This is April, so I think they opened before the end of last year. So I want to say they're open about five months now. I don't think they're open six months yet. They have absolutely hit their stride. And again, that's one of those things now with breweries, especially in the state of New Jersey. Um, you have to now be coming firing out of the box when you open. I mean, you've got to be hitting it. Because if you don't and you're making mistakes and your beer is not up to par, people are going to know and people aren't going to come. I think there is... Little excuse now that your beer is not good enough for the masses. I, I don't want to hear you had a bad batch, this, that, the other thing. You have got to nail it coming right out of the box. If you don't, you're going to have a big problem uh, very early on. And uh, Oak Flower will now be on tap at Paragon Tap and Table for the next few months, which is fantastic because I'll, I'll be able to get uh, to try uh, a bunch of their beers without having to travel uh, all the way over to Millington. But uh, just a fantastic brewery, and kudos to them. They are doing a great job. I uh, had a can of Stone Delicious IPA. The folks from Stone had sent me um, a six-pack, uh, a mixed six-pack of their stuff. It's always good. It's such a great beer. It's always nice to go back to those uh, to those beers that you really enjoy. This is, you know, West Coasty. It's just got the right uh, sort of flavors, and uh, I just love it. Then, after I had uh, gone to, uh, I was actually, where was I? I think I was at. I don't remember where I was. Was I at Paragon? I might have been at Paragon. I came home. I had had a beer. I was waiting for dinner. I came home, and I got some. Uh, some. Oh, let me let me touch on this. Naughty D Estate by Twin Elephant, the a banging pilsner, crispy, delicious, an Italian pilsner, which is fantastic. Uh, and then I found in the back of my fridge because I was looking for something that I needed that was boozy, because I got some very bad news, um, bad news and good news. I have bad news from a very dear friend of mine who I have known uh, since middle school. And uh, her name is Krista. Um, and she is going through um, a tough time right now. Um, cancer, uh, fighting it, um, dealing with an infection, home, you know, for a while. 
uh, isolated and having to you know stay away from people because she has no white blood cells. Um, and uh, I had reached out to her about our high school reunion because we're having our 35-year uh, reunion. And um, she gave me the news, and it has spread into... Um, I, be- I have to get this right because if I don't, I'm going to look like an, I'm going to feel uh, like an idiot, ladies and gentlemen. So pardon me for a moment, but the beer that I had bounced to the ounce by Twin Elephant. I found this in the back of my garage, uh, uh, back of my um, refrigerator. It's a fantastic stout. The flavors are all still there. It's got to be a two, three year old can. It is unbelievable. So um, I needed it because she was diagnosed with my friend Krista with colon cancer. It has now spread through her liver. She's had uh, extensive surgery. Um, They had to remove some organs. I mean, she's just, she's recovering. She's fighting, and I'm happy for her that she is fighting. Uh, But this is a person that I don't think I could live in a world without her. And Krista, if you're listening, I need you to fight. I need you to fight, fight, fight. And I hope that that massive fox that I sent you uh, will comfort you when you're in pain, when you're dealing with stuff, when you just don't want to be around anybody, um, I hope that brings you some comfort. And when you're well enough to have visitors, I'm absolutely coming over. So, Krista, um, I'm thinking about you, and I love you. And I I can't wait to see you and spend some time with you and make you laugh. My thanks to everybody involved in the show. I'm sorry to bring it down on a a down note, but that's personal to me, and I I hope that you folks understand, including uh, my guest, Steve Ashton from Ashton Brewing. Thanks for having me at the brewery. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.